Will you pray with me, please? Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word. May we hear, understand, and live out your word so that like Joseph, we too may follow and do what you ask us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this year, I think many of us are being creative. We are adapting our beloved Christmas traditions in different ways so that we can still experience some joy in this season. And I think this year, probably more than any year, we are more eager than ever to find some Christmas joy. One of the places where I experienced a bit of Christmas joy is the First Church Children's Ministry Facebook page. At the end of November, some folks from our children's ministry put together an Advent mailing so that the children of the church could still experience and celebrate Advent, anticipate the joy of Christmas, even though we aren't able to gather in our normal ways. And one of the activities in that mailing was the activity of creating an Advent chain to help count down the days with a scripture reading for every day and every day to remove a link from the chain. Now, Advent is a season of anticipation and who among us has a greater sense of anticipation for Christmas than children? Look at those faces. Now think about what you see in those photos. Children are beaming as they are holding paper. Paper, ordinary construction paper. It's not very special. They had to work to assemble that chain. It didn't come pre-made, but it doesn't look like they minded. What is it about holding a paper chain that makes children look like they're ready to burst with joy? I don't think that it's the paper. I think that the children are so excited because they were given the opportunity to take action. They could do more than just think about when is Christmas coming. They had an opportunity to prepare for Christmas and they chose to stop the other things that they were doing to focus on this activity and the scripture reading. And as a result, they experienced joy. And even though the chain was quite long, and Christmas was still many days away, I would say the photos show us anticipatory joy. Anticipatory joy is the joy that we feel today because of what we know is coming tomorrow. It may take a while for tomorrow to unfold, but the waiting and the anticipating can actually increase our joy. I think we encounter anticipatory joy in the scripture passage that the Wright family just shared with us. It's one of the few passages in scripture that give us insight into Joseph, the adopted father of Jesus. And while Mary, the mother of Jesus, appears throughout the gospels and is with Jesus in his final hours at the cross, most experts think that Joseph likely died when Jesus was young because we only encounter Joseph three times in scripture. The first time is here in Matthew chapter one, and then again in Matthew chapter two, when Joseph has another dream and an angel tells him that he is to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt in order to escape destruction by Herod. And then there's one final time at the end of Luke two, when Jesus was 12 years old 
and he became separated from his family and was found teaching in the temple. And while we don't know much about Joseph's life after the birth of Jesus, Matthew gives us a super long runway to the story leading up to Joseph. I want to invite you to look at how Matthew starts his gospel. In the very first verse, he actually starts with a genealogy. And it's name after name, generation after generation, an account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron. It's name after name. We get tired of even reading the names. And yet I think Matthew wants to give us a sense of anticipation with this genealogy. Do you see, as he's going through all these generations, he's showing how God is in the details. God is in control, generation after generation. Imagine how the Jews waited. They waited and waited and waited for a Messiah. And as they waited, God was quietly, almost silently at work. It's kind of like there's this low drum roll throughout Matthew chapter 1 as it builds to verse 16 when we read, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. This is what the Jews had been waiting for. God is no longer quiet. As Isaiah has foretold, God has opened up and torn the heavens so that God would come down. And now the Holy Spirit is at work within Mary. Mary, who was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's all Matthew tells us about Mary. Luke focuses on Mary. If you were with us last week, Pastor Matt preached on Mary's response to the angel. And when the angel visits Mary to tell her that she would conceive a child by the Holy Spirit who would be the Messiah, Mary's response is, let it be to me according to your word. What did Joseph say to the angel? We don't know. Scripture doesn't record any of his words. What did Joseph feel when he woke up from his dream? We don't know. Luke tells us how Mary feels about the message of the angel. She rejoices. She sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. But Matthew focuses on Joseph and Joseph doesn't sing. The word rejoice cannot be found in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. And we honestly don't know how Joseph felt about this dream and the message that he received. Was he frightened or was he excited? Did he feel cheated that his fiance was pregnant and the child was not his? Or did he feel blessed that God had chosen him to be the earthly father of the Messiah? We don't know. And I had to tell you that I can't resist the temptation to make some stereotypical comments about the difference between men and women. 
Mary has so much to say to her cousin Elizabeth about the angel's visit that her words take up half a page in my Bible. Joseph doesn't say a single word. Mary is so filled with joy that she bursts out into song. And Joseph doesn't appear to have emotions. Did Joseph rejoice? We don't know. All we know is what Joseph did. When Joseph woke up, he chose to take action. Joseph did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. Joseph made the determined choice to make room for Jesus, which sounds really sweet and Christmassy, but is incredibly courageous and selfless. Joseph made room for Jesus in his life by choosing to take action that he knew would be very uncomfortable. People would assume that Mary had disrespected him. He would be looked down upon for not being able to control his wife. He would not have marital relations with Mary until the child was born. And then he would assume responsibility for raising a child, a child who was not his. I don't know how Joseph felt, if he felt any joy in those early days of Mary's pregnancy and Jesus's life, but scripture makes it very clear that Joseph chose to do what God asked him to do. And I know that it is true that feelings follow behavior. Think about that for a moment. Feelings follow behavior. What that means is that if you want to change how you feel, you have to change what you do. Do you need more joy in your life this Christmas? Are you feeling weary of all the losses that we just continue to face? Well then follow Joseph's example and make room for Jesus in your life. Choose joy by choosing to take action. Do something. As Advent was beginning this year, I thought about what God might be inviting me to do so that I could set down my weariness from all of the disappointments and challenges of the last year and choose joy. And I believe that God led me to a very simple action. I have changed my morning routine. I realized I was spending too much time watching the morning news show and just drinking coffee, hanging out on the couch and talking to my husband. If I got up and got going a little bit more quickly, I could make more room for Jesus in my life. And I love how Matthew gives us the impression that Joseph didn't hang out at all. He says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. I felt convicted that I needed to stop hanging out in the morning. Like so many habits, my morning hangout time didn't, it kind of increased without me even realizing it. What started as 10 minutes of just checking the highlights of the news a day, having a cup of coffee, a quick conversation with Ken about what we're gonna have for dinner, had turned into 30 minutes or even longer on the couch watching Joe's Wham Cam and Lecky Live and talking about things that we really didn't even need to talk about. And as my couch time increased, my devotional time decreased. And so I decided that Advent was a good time 
to make more room for Jesus, to make a determined choice to focus more attention on God at the very start of my day. Now, maybe you don't have a problem with how you start your day, but I think all of us have something that we could do to make more room for Jesus in our life. We may not have an angel visitation come to us in a dream and tell us what we need to do, but if we would just slow down for a few moments to allow all those voices in our head to get a little bit quiet, we just might hear the still small voice of God inviting us to take some kind of action to do one small thing that will prepare some room for Jesus in our lives. Some things that just get you thinking. Maybe like me, you need to start your day differently by spending more time with God. Or maybe it's the end of the day that you need to change. Maybe at the end of the day, you need to spend some time reflecting on how you have experienced God during that day. Some time to offer thanks. God may be leading you to make more room for Jesus by how you choose to use your money. Or maybe you're like Joseph. Maybe God is inviting you to make room for Jesus by taking care of someone. Joseph chose to take care of Mary. Maybe God has placed someone in your life who needs the practical care that you can provide. Whatever you do, Whenever we make room for Jesus, we will find joy. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. Because ultimately, God is going to make all things right. It may not be all right today, but it will eventually. Because God is faithful. Joseph really truly believed that God is faithful, and so he acted accordingly. Did Joseph know how special his son was? Did he realize what the angel meant when the angel said he will save his people from their sins? He will fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet that the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Did he know what those words meant? We don't know. When Joseph accepted public disgrace by not divorcing Mary, when he made a 70-mile journey to Bethlehem with a very pregnant woman, when he desperately sought for shelter as Mary started her labor, did he have any idea that his story would be told around the world generation after generation? Did he know that he had been chosen to be the protector the provider, the earthly father to the son of God, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? We don't know. All we know is that Joseph was obedient to God. We know that feelings follow behavior, and we know that God is faithful. And so I really believe that at some point, Joseph rejoiced. Ultimately, Joseph rejoiced despite the hardships of travel, despite the uncertainty of what the future holds, despite the threats. Joseph could have quietly walked away and not allowed Jesus to change his life, but he chose to prepare room for Jesus 
And this Advent, we have the opportunity to do the same. Some of you know that five weeks ago, Ken and I became grandparents for the first time. And like many things this year, the circumstances have not been ideal. Our daughter Carrie and her husband Ben have been living in England for the last four years while he has served in the US Air Force. I never saw Carrie when she was pregnant because COVID canceled my travel plans to visit her last spring. I didn't pat her growing tummy. I didn't, I wasn't able to throw a baby shower for her. I never went shopping with her for baby things. But I understood because this is a year that so many things have changed and we all have to be flexible. And so I exchanged my spring airline ticket for fall, November airline tickets for Ken and I so that we could travel to be with Carrie and Ben and the baby around her time of delivery. And once again, COVID canceled my travel plans because the UK imposed a lockdown two days before our flight. Carrie and Ben are moving to North Carolina this week. Ken and I had hoped to help them navigate an international move with a newborn, two dogs, and COVID. <laughs> but travel plans have been complicated and in flux, and we haven't been able to do much besides offer prayer support. And with all the restrictions on travel and quarantine requirements, we still aren't sure when it is that we will get to meet our grandson. Everyone has stories like this of losses and disappointments, of plan A followed by plan B, followed by plan C, followed by I don't want to make any more plans because I am tired of making plans that get changed. But what I want to share with you is not my disappointing circumstances. I want to share with you a personal testimony that anticipatory joy is real. I'm not just saying this. I have been experiencing anticipatory joy for weeks because I have a grandson. <laughs> Silas Benjamin hasn't made me sad. Oh no, Silas has been a wonderful source of joy. Shortly before he was born, I went to Kohl's. I took action because I couldn't stand it any longer that I was missing so many of the wonderful parts of the experience of becoming a grandparent. And so I went to look for a baby gift, even though it really didn't make sense because Carrie and Ben were soon gonna be moving to the States and it didn't make sense to send many gifts to England, but I thought, this baby needs to have one special gift from its grandparents. And so I went and I chose a blanket. I chose a really soft, warm blanket. And as I carefully and lovingly wrapped it and put it in a package to send it across the Atlantic, I imagined a tiny baby wrapped in that blanket, warm and snug, surrounded, if it couldn't be by my arms, at least by my love. And it just really warmed my heart when Carrie shared with me that the day that all of their belongings were moved out of their home and the doors were always opened and it was cold and drafty, that it was the blanket that I had sent over that was wrapped around Silas 
that kept him warm and snug. I feel joy every time I think about Silas. I feel joy that in this year when there are so many losses and disappointments that God has blessed my family with a new baby. I know it isn't logical. You might say like a logical person would wonder, how can this be such a joy? Because you haven't even met this kid. But it, babies aren't logical. <laughs> And there is something wonderful. Silas is very real to me. He's not just a face on a screen. Silas is someone I love. And I know that I am going to meet him someday. My entire family has made room for Silas because we know that he is coming. We have anticipatory joy, the joy of knowing something wonderful is coming, the joy that we are counting on. That is the kind of joy that God invites all of us to have about the coming of Jesus. All of the other joys in our life can be traced back to Jesus. The joy of a new baby in your family, the joy of children creating Advent chains and anticipating the coming of Christmas, all of it hangs together and comes together in Jesus because in him all things hold together. The reason for our joy is that something amazing has happened. Christ has come and something amazing is going to happen. Christ is going to come again. And so don't just wait. <laughs> Do something. Make room for Jesus in your life so that you can experience joy. <laughs> Amen.